Hey friends, welcome to the Cultivate Hope podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Robinson, and I want to invite you to come alongside me as we hear stories, gain wisdom, and even some helpful tools from some of my friends. These are people who have experienced challenging seasons of life that have tested their faith. We can all learn from those who've dug those deep trenches and have found their way to the other side of hopelessness. So let's start digging together and cultivate hope. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another week of Cultivate Hope. If you're a parent, a grandparent, a bachelor or bachelorette, or a student, this episode has a message of hope for you that I guarantee will bring you more freedom, more confidence, and more peace. Our special guest today is Kelsey Grimm. She is known by most as an artist performer alongside her husband, Caleb, in their duo called Caleb and Kelsey. And she was a founding member of the former Christian girl group, One Girl Nation. She is a mama to their two boys, Emmett and Beckett, and their baby girl, Collins. She has recently added the title of author to her long list of achievements as her book, Over It, just turned one last month. Kelsey considers herself a stay-at-home mom as the majority of her time is spent raising her babies at home in Nashville. On today's episode, Hope in the Midst of Messy Motherhood, Kelsey shares her journey of motherhood through fighting insecurity, finding identity, raising just good people, and homeschooling, all while trying to live up to the expectations that we face daily. I am so excited to welcome her to this podcast, so will you please join me in welcoming my dear friend, Kelsey Grimm. Thank you so much. I'm so pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Anytime. You're always welcome on the podcast. I am so excited to have you because as long as I've known you from a distance, so the way we know each other is kind of funny. My One of my best friends, Carmen Justice, was in a girl group with Kelsey called One Girl Nation like a decade ago. And (laughs) yes, another lifetime ago. (laughs) Right. It's so weird. Total decade ago, whole other lifetime ago and met her through that and always felt a sense of like connection with her because we're both girly girls. We're both loud. And now we're both wives and moms of three. So we've always had this little connection of parallel lives in a way. Um, Yes. So I'm super, super excited to have her on the podcast today, especially to talk about her book she released last year. Now, I read this book in two days, I kid you not, and I'm the kind of person that I don't finish books. So that was kind of a really big deal and should tell you a whole lot about this book. It is her story, and it's one that I identified with so deeply, and I think so many of us can identify with, men, women, moms, not moms. All ages. Yes. Everyone can identify with this story because it's about expectations and it's called over it because we're just over the expectations. So welcome Kelsey. And we're going to start off with the very first question we ask everybody on the podcast, which is what is your definition of hope? Yes. I love this question. I actually did think about this before coming on here because I was like, well, I could Google it and I could see if I resonate with the (laughs) Webster's dictionary uh, definition of hope. But I think to me, I would just say that hope is believing in something bigger than yourself. So, I mean, that's just, that's how I look at hope in the course of my life. Like if it was, if this was all there was, 
there would be no hope in that for me, mm-hmm. for, uh, in my opinion, for any of us. And so for me, it's yeah. just believing in something more and something bigger and better than ourselves because, um, on our own, there's just, it leaves much to be desired. So hope to me is just believing in something bigger and better than ourselves. Awesome. And for you, that bigger, better thing is. Oh gosh. I mean, God, the divine, this divine, um, dance that we have with him, you know? And yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like for me personally. I love that. So tell us a little bit about this title of over it. And why did you decide on that title? And what was your feeling going into this book? What did you want to convey with that, with that title and this whole idea? You know, I wanted to share, I wanted the book to be twofold going into this whole process. I wanted it to be an opportunity to share my story and my life with the people who would read it because I felt like so much of my story I've heard from other women and other people before. And I was like, I know I won't be alone. And maybe someone needs to hear that they too are not alone. And then the other side of it is that I wanted this book to be a lifeline, particularly for women, because that's what I am, who I am. And that's predominantly who I assumed would be picking it up and reading it. And I want women to know that as you sit, wherever you sit today, however you're showing up to the table, you are already enough. You're already loved by your creator. You are already destined to be great because you were made by the creator who adores you, delights in you, finds joy in you. And that's something that it's taken me a really long time to learn and really adopt in my heart as something that is true of me, that God delights in me. He loves me. And I'm already enough in all of my messiness and where I've been and where I'm going. I, I'm already enough. I love And that. I wanted other women to hear that message and to start believing that themselves as well. I think that's so important. One of the things that I have to fight against, and I think all of us, especially as Christian women, fight mm-hmm. against is this idea of becoming. And not that we're not becoming or growing. We always want to grow. Right. I feel like we get this idea in our head through culture and even through like religious legalism. Yes. Of like, we have to become different. We're becoming something that's not us instead of we're becoming more of who we were intended to be in the first place, who were we created right. to be in the first place. So more of our, of our true selves in Christ instead of more of somebody else. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's the heart of the message. That's the whole thing and wrapped up in a nutshell with a bow on it. Like that's, yes, that's the whole sentiment. Yeah. So this book was super, super freeing for me. And I think it'll be super, super freeing for so many people. And I'm sure it already has been because it's been out for like a year now. Which yeah, is- it came out a year ago last month, which is crazy. I don't know how time flew that quickly, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It is so wild how this has already had such a big impact in just a year. And my question, my next question to you is give us a little bit of a synopsis because you have, you tell a couple different stories in the book. Like you have a couple different connector points with your Mm -hmm. audience. So you have this like, Hey, I'm talking to you like a girlfriend. Hey, I went through this. You told this story that was really, really intense that I think a lot of us will really identify with any of us that have been in relationships or relationships that were unhealthy or where we felt like we had to be somebody else, or there was an expectation on us to be somebody else. And then you also tell this other side of, Hey, now being a wife and mom, there's this other side of messiness Mm -hmm. and 
expectations that stays with you that you still have to fight against. So give us a little bit of that. Yeah. So I think going into writing the book, um, it was so important for me to share my background and the way that I was raised in order to understand kind of the trajectory of the course of my life as I grew older. And so part of what I shared at the start of the book was just how I grew up a pastor's kid. Um, And if you are a pastor's kid, then I don't have to explain this kind of fishbowl effect of feeling like from all angles of your life, people are watching you. And in some kind of weird, twisted way, I always felt like people wanted to watch me fall. They wanted to watch me fail, you know, and it was like this unspoken standard that was placed on my life at a very early age. Um, Again, not a standard that anyone ever implicitly told me with words. It was never a verbal standard like, hey, you have to meet this expectation or else. It was never that. It was just this unspoken, you set the bar, Kelsey. People are watching you. You're the example. You know, and I think at an early age, I understood then, this was kind of the byproduct of that, that my life simply needed to look like it was all together. Like at whatever cost to myself, it needed to look like I was put together and that I was chasing the right things and that my spiritual life was on track and that the decisions that I was making were affecting other people because people are watching you, you know? And so again, I just want to make a disclaimer here. I never had that kind of pressure put on me necessarily by my parents. It was just the culture in which I was raised. It was just this very rigid, um, you know, very tight, small box and not a lot of room to kind of step outside of those confines without there being some serious fallout. And I think what that created in me was two things, a curiosity of what might be outside the box. And secondly, it created a a bent toward rebellion, um, if I'm being totally honest. And I think that the older that I got, the more I started to kind of push on those walls and push the boundaries a little bit further to see how far I could take them and how, you know, if people are watching me and they want me to fall and they want me to fail, then fine. Like I'll give them the show that they want. And I don't know that that was ever a conscious decision that I made, but it was one that just kind of made itself as I grew older. You know, ultimately, I think that if we don't recognize in ourselves the need to be free, this desire to be free, and that God wants us to be free in him, right? Like we don't have to morph and evolve and fix ourselves into a certain mold that the world asks of us. That was never intended for us. Like we were made uniquely in the Imago Dei, the image of God himself. And that makes you enough. We're not perfect. We're human. You know, that is, it's part of the human experience. It's part of the journey. Um, And I think somewhere along the way, I just wanted to be free to be whoever it is that I was at the time. And I needed to be okay to messily find my way through life. And there just wasn't a lot of room growing up for me to kind of step and veer off the path, you know? And looking back, um, I didn't take 
the easy road. I didn't take the narrow one. I took a really wide, winding, confusing one for a lot of years of my life. And I, I could sit here and say that I regret it, but that would be a lie. You know, I, looking back, I think that everything belongs and that I learned so much along the way. Are there things that if I had the opportunity to do them different, would I? Yes. Um, but I don't regret the way that it happened because I am stronger for it, you know, and my kids someday are going to read this book or at least say, mom, like, what was your story? What was it like for you as a teenager? What was it like for you in college? And I'm going to be able to, in full honesty, tell them it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> like, this was my journey to where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. And it was not a pretty one, but it was an honest one. And I learned a whole lot along the way. And so I think my hope in writing with the amount of honesty that I shared with, which if you haven't read the book, mm -hmm. very honest, very vulnerable. Um, I, I pretty much left it all out there on the table. And um, the reason that I did that, and to your point, Sarah, you mentioned something about as particularly as Christian women, mm -hmm. uh, women of faith, I think we're held to even a higher standard. And I wanted, I knew that there would be Christian women who would pick up this book and who would probably have mixed reviews about some of the things that I talked about and the way in which I talked about them with, you know, brutal honesty. Yeah. Um, but I wanted the women who felt like me, who felt caged mm -hmm. and who felt suppressed and who felt like their place was to be quiet and off to the side. I wanted those women to hear me say, God never asked us to sit in the corner and be quiet. That what that was never supposed to be our place. And I wanted to open up conversation around these things that I feel like in Christian culture are not talked about enough. It's not discussed enough. There are these taboo issues that everyone shies away from because we're living in shame. And I want to remove the veil and say, I'm leaving shame in the past. It doesn't define me. And I know that God has freed me from that so that I can walk forward in boldness of what I've learned along the way of who I am and who he's created me to be. And yeah. if there's someone reading this book that needs to hear that today, like that, it makes every bit of this worth it. You're not alone. You know, there, there's a place for you. It's okay to have a voice. It's okay to leave your footprints in the sand and it's okay if they go like this if they're windy and there's like you know if, if that's your yeah. path to figuring out who you are and your identity in christ there's a place for you here at the table I you know you are welcome here do you ever feel like because i know i felt like this growing up in the church and growing up in a christian family and being like for me i was the middle only girl but i was like, the oldest girl so i kind of had firstborn tendencies were you a firstborn? You were a firstborn, yes. correct? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that plays into it as well. I feel like because, you know, you're always, when you have younger siblings, I feel like in addition to being in a household that has values and morals and ethics, mm -hmm. being a Christian too, you also have this added thing of you're an example. You're, you, and this is outside of the church. This is just in the home. You're right. an example. Everyone's watching you. You know, you have this extra layer of expectation and weight to everything yeah. you do because you're the guinea pig too. So right. if you make a mistake, you get in trouble first 
you get all the missteps of your parents first, yep. you get all of the blame first. Um, yep. And then if anything goes wrong with everybody below you, it's, well, they were watching you. What did you do? You know? Right. So I, I feel that as well. And I think a lot of firstborn children will feel that or do you feel that? Additional and, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mess that, up. That's guys and girls. That's everybody. Everybody. And as Christian women, we also have this Proverbs 31 women, woman, the woman yep. that we're told about from the time we're little. And for me, I don't know about you. I never resonated with it. <laughs> it intimidates me. Yeah. And I'm like, but I, I don't, I don't identify as much. Like, I mean, there's good qualities about her that I'm like, yeah, that'd be nice to have. I'm sure. Like she sounds nice. <laughs> right. But like I'm an eight. I'm not yeah. a little fiery. Yeah. And you know what? Hey, there is space and a place for you here. And I, I'm a seven with an eight wing on the Enneagram yeah, girl. and, you know, being quiet and sitting in the corner was never my thing. And I think that there's a place again at the table for all of us. Like we we're all needed here. We're all wanted here. You know, your voice deserves to be heard. Your story deserves to be told. And let's let's be there for each other. Let's lock arms and say, you know, no matter where you've been or where you're going, we're in this journey together because it is, life is hard. Like it is messy. It's difficult. It's worth thrown, especially in the society that we live in today. It's breakneck speed, right? Like right. there is no such thing as a slow, um, quiet, steady paced life. No, anymore. I mean, you have to, you got to look so hard and be so intentional to slow everything down if that's what you want, you know, and it's, it's difficult. I think in a society that tells you that you have to be everything mm -hmm. and you have to be all of those things. Well, yeah, for yeah. a woman not to be really, really bogged down by the pressure of that all. Cause you know, I think for me too, it it's, I've struggled a lot with feeling the pressure of having a career um, yeah. when really all I want to do is be a mom. I feel like that is my calling. Um, it's always been my calling. And while I love music and there, there will always be a place for it in my life in some capacity, I've never been passionate about that career side of it for me. Like it's just to me, even where I sit today, music is a means for me to be able to stay home with my babies and to homeschool and to spend every moment with them because that's where I want to be. That's where I feel like I was made to be. And, you know, I, I think it's great if there's women who feel a call to career, you know, um, that's just not me. But I, again, it's society telling us that you got to be able to do both. You got to be a good mom, but you also got to pull your weight and you got to make a way for yourself and have dreams and have goals and, you know, make a career for yourself. And I think, again, if that's what you want, great. But for those of us who are like, I'm okay if I don't have a career, I want to stay at home. I want to stay at home. I want to be a mom. And that is not less than. Disciples. Yes. I mean, if you want to be a mentor, you want to be a leader in your life in any capacity. Well, there's your first shot. Right. Built in. Right. So, Built in. I don't think right. in your own four walls. Honorable than that. Right. Um, and it's okay if that's, you know, if you want to be a mom and have a career, 
it's just as honorable. Right. It's Perfect. just as wonderful. You do Go what you got to do. That's right. Um, but to each, I, I just think this, there's the stigma of, you know, I feel like society in every way, society is divided, let's be honest, but especially in this as well of you have half society saying, oh, well, if you're just a stay at home mom, then you're not pulling your weight and you have no aspirations and you have no passions and you're just a right. boring person. Right. You have this other side that says, well, if you go to work and all of that, then you don't care about your kids and you don't have, um, you're not nurturing and you're not all these things. You don't take care of your family. You're not walking in your calling. And it's not this or that it's this and that it can be both. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I think it's just about knowing what it is that is right for you, you yes. know, and, and finding confidence in that calling. Like yes. there is no, you don't have to add anything to the plate that isn't already there. You know, yeah. if, if it's not where you're meant to be, that's okay. Let it go. I <laughs> agree. Go. I want to read a piece, an excerpt from your book about okay. the very topic that I think is really awesome. And just like, when I read it, I took a deep breath and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel seen. I feel seen. I feel like she looked inside my brain and my heart and pulled it out and just called it out and said, hey, that piece right there, just drop it on the floor. Just drop it. It's fine. So this is what she says on page 210 of Over It. It says, we are expected to have sparkling kids in matching outfits who behave perfectly and smile on cue. We're expected to feed them all organic foods and manage their screen time with a stopwatch. We're expected to teach them Bible verses, plan play dates, and give them a Harvard level education before they start kindergarten. And we're supposed to do all of this while losing the baby weight and making time for self-care. And then there's another excerpt down the page that I love that says, I feel like I should have it all and do it all and be it all as a mother. The only problem with that is that it's impossible. The truth of it all is that motherhood and parenting in general is messy. It's not pretty or glamorous. It's so much trial and error and just taking it one day at a time, lowering your unrealistic expectations of both yourself and your kids. And y'all, that hit me so hard because the matching outfits thing. Yes, I do love matching outfits. I love a good matching. I, hey, I love a good matching family photo. Okay. I Don't get me wrong. I know. Easter, I tell my family every year, I'm like, Easter's my day. Like, That's right. You give me Easter and you can have every other day of the year, but that is my freaking day. And you're yes. going to wear what I give you. And you're not going to say anything. And you're going to do your hair, especially my daughter. You're going to do your hair how I, I like it. Yep. Yep. And you're not right. going to say a word. I think it's fine. I think if the other 364 days yeah. of the year, you know, they get to make their own right. outfit choices, they can't be mad at you for one no. day. No. I told my husband, that's the one day you will wear a pastel. You, <laughs> yes. will. you will wear pink and you will like it. Yes. Everyone has, I have a firm belief that everyone has their own shade of pink. I don't care who you are. Everybody. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly, a, yes. National color. But I love that quote because I feel like it just, says it so well that we're supposed to do all these things, especially now that we're being watched all the time yep. on Instagram, on Facebook, like you're expected to be on there mm -hmm. because your family wants to see your kids and all your friends want to see your kids and everything. Right. And I have no problem with that. I'm happy to share my kids here and there because first of all, they're freaking cute. Like I think they're, oh adorable. yeah. I mean, come on. And yeah. They're adorable. And I have family all over and I have friends from, you know, we lived in Nashville and we don't live there anymore. Oh, right. I'm like, I want to see your kids. So I'm going to show you my kids and it's great. Yes. And, and it can be so that. good. It, it can, can be so good if it's, if it's used for that reason, you know, yeah. I just think it's become something completely different. Like social media, the era of social media 
has created, oh man, such a chasm, I feel like, because it, it, the chasm lies in this, what is real yeah, and what we're portraying. And yeah. the, the chasm there is so wide. Even for those of us who really try, I think, to be honest and to be vulnerable um, to like our own level of comfort, because obviously some things are sacred and not meant to be shared with the world. And that is absolutely like I'm I'm not airing out all of my dirty laundry on the Internet. You know, that's not the place or the way to do that. But I think that as moms and as women, particularly, it's increasingly more difficult to accept this message that we are enough with what we're seeing and scrolling past every day on our phones. Like we're told really every direction that we look, it's on magazines, it's on the TV, it's on our phones, it's on, I mean, everywhere you turn, there's a body type that we're supposed to be. There's an article or a blog telling you how you're supposed to be raising your kids and what what's okay and what isn't and how you're ruining your kids if you do this and how all of this pressure, right? Like recently, I was talking to my mom about this very thing because she was like, you know, Kels, I honestly feel like we, my generation of moms had it so much better and easier than you guys do now because it wasn't the era of information. Like we, if something was wrong with our kid or we were, we were worried about something, we called the pediatrician Mm -hmm. and it was simple and it was one step and they told us what to do. And instead you moms have the, every single piece of information that you could ever need to find Mm -hmm. about any topic anywhere in any period of time is at your disposal at the click of a finger. And she was like, that kind of information we weren't built for. And I couldn't agree more. We are not built or designed to take in the amount of information that we do every day from so many different angles and be able to decipher for ourselves in our hearts and spirits what's actually right for us. Because there's too many things Mm -hmm. to siphon through. And, you know, it's no wonder moms today including myself, anxiety levels are through the roof, you know, because we're seeing and hearing all of these horrific stories on the internet, some of which are real and some of which probably aren't because half of the internet isn't real, you know, but it's, it's terrifying to, to just have that much in front of us at any given time. And so I think too, as moms and women and just people like put this down, I'm holding my phone. I know you can't see this, but put this down more often and look up, look up because what is important, I promise you, is looking right back at you with probably big blue or brown eyes and calling you mommy. Like those are the moments that matter. And guys, like we are missing them. Mm Mm-hmm. We're missing the moments because we're scrolling and we're comparing and we're judging and we're trying to fix ourselves and become something that we just were never meant to have to try to become. Like, this is just, I'm going to like steal someone else's phrase, Trey Kennedy, like do less. Yeah. Do less. I mean, we are doing too much. I really believe that having dreams and goals and aspirations is great until it creates a tension in being present with what is already here and now. Like if we are so focused on the next thing and the future and where we're going that we miss where we are right now, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. 
You're right. We and are we live only- in the age of search engines. Like you were saying, like we're in the, the I would call this the age of search engines because yep. we're also expected to operate as a search engine. We're exactly. expected to be as quick, to be as responsive, mm-hmm. to be, I mean, how many times have you felt like, honestly, like I know I felt it and I've probably made other people feel like it. If I don't respond, like I've made other people feel like, oh my gosh, is something wrong? No, right. I'm living my life. I'm living my life. I'm living my life. And I yeah. am busy with my own children and my family. And it's not that I don't love you. It's that I'm busy and I'm I'm actually living. Because that's the other thing, you know, again, not to harken back to my mom's generation, but she did say this too. She was like, we had friends that we called on the phone and then we set a play date and we met at a park and that's when we saw each other. And that's when we talked. It wasn't this like around the clock 24 hours a day anyone can reach you and they expect an immediate response because you know that's just the world we're living in now we didn't have it that way it was slower it was you know it was relationships were a little bit more intentional because it wasn't this thing that bled into every single day you know like it is i think for us now and it's really difficult to juggle you know sometimes i feel like i don't even have enough time for my husband or myself so like right? how yeah. how in the world am i supposed to have time for all friendships and, and lunch dates and you know going out for a margarita post bedtime i'm telling you what at bedtime when my kids go down i'm putting on my sweats if they're not already on and i'm yeah. getting in one spot on the couch and i'm not going to leave that spot on the couch until my bed calls my name and then i'm going to jump from one sitting yeah. position to the next like that's what i'm doing with the post bedtime like there is just no extra in this season and i'm okay with that like i've come to terms with that there was a time when i felt like i needed to juggle it all and i need to keep up with these friendships that i had po- or pre-babies and stuff and i just i've let not that i've let the friendships go but i've let the pressure of keeping up with those friendships the same way i always did i've let that go because i simply don't have the bandwidth in this season of my life and there's nothing wrong with that and i think having conversations with people who don't have kids and just explaining like time is not really my own anymore you know that this is not something that i can control and it's not something that i can on a whim offer to to you in this season of life i'm just not there you know but then this all harkens back to the same theme expectations in every single area of our lives there's all these pillars right like our marriages our friendships our relationships with our parents like our relationships with our friends the way that we parent all of these things there are these expectations and these standards and and this feeling of being expected to just be able to keep up with it all yeah and sometimes it's okay to let some things go yeah let some things go and just understand that life ebbs and flows and seasons ebb and flow and this is like you know, in this season, this is the energy that I have. And here are the most important things. Here's the priorities that I want to give of my energy and my time. Decide what those things are for you. You know, they're different for all of us, but I think that it's okay to just admit, I can't do it all right now. And and there's no shame there. It's like, okay. Healthy too, spiritually, because it, it's almost an admittance that I don't have to hold it together because if it falls apart, God's going to hold it together. If I think something's going to fall apart because I don't do something, then I'm putting way too much. We're giving ourselves too much credit. Yeah. Right. I have way too much of a control issue. And absolutely need to realize that 
I can sit and everything will still set in motion and it will be fine. Right. And right. we're going to be okay. I love how you were talking about the identity piece of females, of how we identify ourselves and how we we can't handle that kind of expectation. Because if I remember back, and you probably remember this too, when you first had your kids, like say you're first, that adjustment from going as a like single, right. yeah, for your own, you have your own body, you answer to no one but yourself. Yep. You can come and go as you please. Your time is your own. Your body is your own. Your home is your own. Your stuff is your own. You have this life that is yours. And then all of a sudden you bring this person in the world and your life's not your own anymore. Not even a little bit. <laughs> no, no. And at this point, I mean, you're not even sure where your body ends and theirs begins. Like, oh no. Sometimes, sometimes it's all just one. It's one exactly. big blob. That's a ruthless um, adjustment. Yeah, I think, and and one that you can only ever understand the moment you become a parent. Like Absolutely. there really is this cataclysmic shift. You know, one day it's it's what you've described. One day you're your own person. You wake up the next day and you belong to someone else, and that someone else is tiny and poops in their pants and cries all day. You know, and then your entire existence goes to keeping that thing alive. Yeah. And and all of the fear and anxiety and worry and, you know, all of these things that come alongside that. Like that's just yeah. that is parenthood. It is. But I feel like in order to find your identity, I think every woman goes through this. From all the friends I've talked to and the girls I've seen talk, I feel like the majority of us could say that you feel like you lose yourself for a good season and it Absolutely. takes time and years and and work intentional work. work yeah to really find your way to like okay so who am i where's my identity in all of this and is my identity attached to them do i have my own and where do i find that where do i find that piece and when you have all these expectations around you and you're constantly trying to hold up like you said all these pillars mm -hmm. you can't possibly you're, you're, I mean, your hands are full. You can't possibly look in a mirror. You're covered in pillars. Like you can't, right. you're trying to hold everybody else's stuff up and all the other things. And you're trying to be who everybody wants you to be and look the way everybody expects you to look via Instagram and all the things and keeping up. Yep. yep. You can't possibly find your true identity where it's supposed to be found. What was one of your most difficult moments in that, that piece of becoming a mom and how did you find your way out to realizing okay i i can have my own identity and not detach from who i am as their mother like i can still be a mom and i also have this identity and this is where i find that like what did that look like for you yeah that's a great question and honestly in full transparency i think it's one i'm still really in the midst of searching for because you know my kids are still really little i, I have a five-year-old a four-year-old and a two and a half year old and so so much of the demand of motherhood in this season of life is physical yeah. it's just like a constant someone needs me for their mere existence at every moment of every day right. and you know even post bedtime it's like or, or let's just create a scenario here. You know, if my husband is like, babe, why don't you take the afternoon off? You go find something to do that you that fills you up that, or, you know, I, I get a sitter and I've got a whole day or whatever to do. Yeah. I, I have been faced <laughs> with this a number of times where I'm given time mm -hmm. for myself, 
And I'm like, okay, this is going to be so great. Oh my gosh. I'm going to get like time, peace and quiet. I'm going to figure out, you know, like I'm, I'm going to fill myself up. I'm going to come back so rejuvenated. And then I literally feel like I have no idea what I love anymore. Oh my gosh. What do I want to do with that time? Oh my gosh. I have four hours. Oh my gosh. I'm going to do like a thousand things. And then I that's another level of anxiety. That's so much anxiety. Cause you're like, oh, I only have four hours. Like I need to make the most of this four hours. And then yeah. I get to the four hours and I'm like, I have no idea what I want to do right now. Do yeah. I want to sit in a quiet padded soundproof room for four hours and not say a single <laughs> thing? Do I want to go sit in the bathtub and read a book? I don't, do I read books? I don't think I read books anymore. Like, do I have time to read books? Or yeah. I'm like, do I want to go shopping? That sounds like, like a lot. Like by the time I drive there and I get there, I'm, you know, my time's going to be cut in half. And then do I want to spend Nine times out of 10, I end up spending the money on my kids. <laughs> Oh, same. Out of 10, I end up shopping for them and I come home with nothing for myself. And it's nothing all- for myself. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, so I was away from my kids, but still like the kids were on my mind and I didn't get a break from mommy in that moment. Um, so I think part of it is because the demand is so heavy right now, it, it is like, it, it is difficult to know what I enjoy as just an individual anymore. Like, what did I used to do with all of my time that I... <laughs> ironically, didn't think I had pre-kids. I didn't think I had tons of time. It was like, you know, oh, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm tired. Like I worked today. I did this. I did that. And looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I thought I was busy. I told my husband, I said, if I knew then what I know now, the things I could do in a day. Oh my gosh. gosh. Oh my gosh. I'd be the most human you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. I'd work five jobs. I'd be like. Five jobs. Yeah. I'm out of college debt so fast. Oh, girl, I know. Oh, my gosh. It really is crazy. (laughs) What you don't know when you don't know it. It's really, it's it's staggering. The point I'm making is I don't know that I've found my individualistic identity yet outside of my kids. Mm -hmm. I would say for me right now, it it goes maybe a couple levels deeper, my identity as a whole. And in that, what I'm telling myself right now are these tiny little truth reminders that I'm already loved, even on my worst day. Like when I have dropped the ball in every way, I'm still good enough and I'm already loved. And sometimes that is the whole of my identity in this season of life. I I don't know that I'm Kelsey the fun one anymore. I don't know that I'm Kelsey the party planner anymore. I don't know that I'm Kelsey the roller coaster rider, the skydiver. Like I'm not, I, I don't have the capacity in my life right now to kind of pursue those things that I used to enjoy. Um, but that day will come again. Yeah. You know, and I think part of my identity now is just finding pockets of time where I can sit and remind myself of those two truths that it's okay. Like the way that it is right now is okay. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm spread thin. Um, I'm irritable. I'm impatient. Sometimes I yell. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I quit. Sometimes I walk into the (laughs) closet and I close the door and I cry. And I just hope that when I come out, everybody's still alive. You know, we have these days. Um, And I'm not afraid to admit that because I think so much of motherhood is very isolating at times. And we feel like, everyone's doing a better job than we are. Everyone's holding it together better than we are. Everyone's days are, everyone's more patient than us. Everyone's doing a better job, like rearing their kids and all the, okay. No one's doing a better job than you. No one is more fit to mother your children than you are. So it is okay if you have to walk into the bathroom and close the door and cry for a minute. It is okay if you yelled today and repair 
repair with your children. Show them that it's okay to be human. It is okay to mess up. There is a place and a space for that. We all do it. Go back and make amends. Apologize. Model for them that their humanness is okay. That our humanness is okay. Mm -hmm. And not only is it okay, it's it should be celebrated. Yeah. When we make a mistake and we can learn from it and we can be, we have an opportunity to be forgiven, to ask for forgiveness from our children like that. I can remember a very, a very vivid story um, of the first time that I had to apologize to Emmett, my firstborn, and how incredibly humbling it was. But also, you know, kids, I get so emotional when I think about how they are so grace giving. You know, they give grace to parents when we truly don't deserve it. And when, you know, sometimes as a mom, when I'm having a really bad day, I can be downright mean, you know, and take my pent up energy and anger out on them. And um, every time I've ever pulled them aside and sat them down and I, every time I've said, mommy is trying to deal with my big feelings just like you are and sometimes i do a really poor job and i'm so sorry that i yelled or i'm so sorry that i talked to you like that or i'm so sorry that mommy snapped in that way i i'm still working on it too can we work on this together you work on your big feelings mommy's working on mine we're gonna do this together can you give me another chance and every time every time what do they say oh sure mommy it's okay Aww. it's okay you know, and it's just like, a, it's an opportunity to take stock of those moments when our, when our kid, our, our four-year-old shows us grace to also give yourself grace. Like we, we need to give ourselves more grace. And then the more grace we give ourselves, the more grace we are then able to give other people. And so I just think that, you know, your identity right now, it's a lot of things. It's, it's a lot of things and, and kind of whittling it down to, I don't know, something tangible. I wish I had a better answer for that. I'm still searching too. I'm still trying to figure out who Kelsey is now. You know, is she still even related to the one that didn't have kids? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that one's gone, but I am becoming, um, and it's not a forced um, process. Like it's not like a you know, I, I've got to figure out who I am because if I if I know these two things that I'm already loved and I'm already enough, those come to the surface at the right time when there is more space in my life for that, you know, and right now I am a mom. It's part of my identity. I am a wife. Again, part of my identity. I am a child of the, the divine. You know, these are all parts of my identity. Um, I think our identity is always unfolding and I think that it's always evolving and changing and you know at the heart of it knowing that you're already loved by your creator and you're already enough sometimes that's all the identity that I have and that I need right now in this season of life um to need to find myself you know the older I get <laughs> and the more time in quotes that I have if that yeah. ever becomes something I have again <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? I think it's also okay. I love that you said that I don't even know if the old Kelsey is who's going to be there, you know, later on. Like, I don't know if I'm, if that's fully who I am anymore. I feel that so deeply. Like, I don't know 
if all the things that I did before or loved before or the ways I acted or responded to things before is going to be the way that I do later on. Because once you have right. kids, you're changed forever. Like forever. you're not, and it's not a bad change. I think we look at it as like, you know, like if somebody were to look at us and say, oh, you're different now that you have kids. Yeah, heck yeah, I'm different. Yes, in every way. Yes. And thank you. Thank you for yeah. noticing. <laughs> It's a good thing. You it's know? a compliment. Like I am different after having kids. They have changed me in every way. They have pushed me to limits I didn't know existed. You know, they've forced me outside of myself. They've forced me into a life of unselfishness, yes. you know, and, and to be honest, like, I think we're all selfish, you know, we're, but I think kids really steal that from you. You know, if, even if you're not willing to give it up, like you're going to give it up and it becomes about someone else and something bigger than you again, like this is, it's part of the human existence. It's part of the journey. And I think it's really beautiful. Oh, and, absolutely. And That's God's design. And I would is. also, I can offer some hope in one area. I can tell you because my oldest is eight and a half and okay. my middle is five and a half. So they're both in full day school right now. Okay. Which I did do the homeschool, by the way, props to you for a year. And it is not for me. Not for the faith. It's not for me. I was like, I will hire anyone to come and do homeschool for me. Like I value homeschool. I'm all about it. But this teacher, no. Girl. Hey. No. It's not it's my not for everybody. And you know what? It may not even be for me forever. I don't know. Well, like I'm just I'm taking it a day at a time. We're gonna see what happens. Yeah. I have a a loose hold on that sucker. Again, realistic expectations. <laughs> yes, realistic expectations. So I can offer hope in the fact that once they both started school this year, all day, you do get a piece of yourself. You find peace. There's pieces, because this is the first year that's ever happened. And I do right. have a baby at home still. I have a 20, 20 month old. Okay. Even with that, there are pieces of me that I've discovered this year that I'm like, oh, this feels familiar. Like, yes, this is coming alive again. It's still in there. Like there's oh, something in there, and it's coming alive again. And I, it's just been sleeping. Yes, I love that on the back burner because I've been on the back burner in a lot of ways, and not in a negative way, but in a selfless way because I had to be right. in order to put them first. Right and now, I have moments where I'm like, oh, like this feels these shoes feel a little comfortable. Like I feel like I'm getting a piece of me back. And yeah. I'm able to connect with friends a little bit more, get mm -hmm. a little bit more of my own thing going during the days. Like if I get a set of one kid, it's no big deal. He naps half the day. So sometimes right. I get like time in the middle of the day to do things now, which before when you have three kids at home, there is no nap time. What are you talking about? Like yeah. one sleeping, no, no, no. you wouldn't know the difference. No. You're still doing stuff. All the same chaos all the time. Yeah. It's just chaos. It's fine. Yeah. So now that he naps and stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, I do. What do I want? I can read a book during the snap or granted motherhood never ends, or I could do laundry and I could clean the house. But you know what? I think there is a healthy balance of someday. Girl. I'm not touching a dang thing. Say it louder. I am not touching a thing. I'm going to let it sit today. I'll yep. do it tomorrow or the next day, whatever I decide. Yep. But yep. today I'm going to let nap time be my time because. Invest in I, you. Not because I earned it. No, that's right. That time. Absolutely. Because I earned it, but because it's okay. And because I don't need to control everything and it doesn't have to be perfect. And I don't have to hold the world together because God yeah. does. So I'm going to take this time and I'm going to do something that fills you up. Yeah. That fills me up. It makes me more of who God made me to be. 
Yes. Because absolutely. if I can be more of who God made me to be, I'm going to be a better mother anyway. Yep. It's Girl, better for everybody. That's it. That's it right there. Yeah. Ding on what that means for us moving forward as moms, as dads, as people who carry a lot of expectation rhythms. What are some practices or what's some advice that you have for letting go like actively? Like, how do you actually do that? How do you actually start to let go of some of those expectations? I think it starts with finding five minutes Mm. in the day. And for me, it looks like the top of the day, because if I don't find myself first, then my kids find me first. And it's just not, it's rough. It's rough to start the day that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have started getting up before them. And again, minutes, like five minutes to sit in a quiet place by yourself or with your spouse, if that's how you want to do it in the early morning with a cup of coffee. And, and you seriously just sit and remind yourself today, I am already loved. I am already enough and everything will be waiting for me. If, if the day gets by and the laundry doesn't get done, if the day gets by and you know, we, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. Or we ordered a pizza and I didn't cook dinner again, guys, it's okay. Yeah. Like practicing telling yourself it's okay. If the day looks different than you wanted it to, it's okay. There's going to be another one that comes tomorrow. I, obviously, we're not promised, but, you know, it's it's okay. Like, just sit for a second breathe in those two truths. I am already loved. I am already enough today. And I think that that is, that's the starting beginner piece. And the more that we tell ourselves this and remind ourselves of those two things, I think it's a natural progression that takes place. It, you start to let things just kind of go. I'm already loved. I'm already enough. The end, like if the laundry stacks up another day, I'm okay if we're late to tutorial. Like it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know, just kind of letting, giving ourselves some wiggle room, you know, to be like, okay, I didn't work out today. Oh, I didn't, I ate a, you know, I ate a cinnamon roll today. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You're already loved. You're already enough. And it's okay. Live your life. Like take stock of the moment that you're living in right now, right now. We aren't promised tomorrow, you know? So live here now. Take stock of the moments and the memories now. That's and the rest of the day and the rest of the week will worry about itself. That's the best advice I can give. Like just a moment to yourself to remind yourself what you already know. Or if you don't know that, to start letting yourself hear these reminders. Tell yourself every day, I'm already loved. I'm already enough. If I know nothing else, I, I need to cling to those two things. And then I think the rest just kind of starts to happen organically. With time, you start to let things go that don't serve you well. You start to let these pressures go and you realize that you just can't do it all. And no one can. Yeah. The things that don't serve us and we're stepping into the things that do. So, Belpiro, if you could put yourself in someone else's shoes of faith or hope that you've seen in your life, it could be anyone at all, past, present, future, anyone that you've seen that you're like, I would take a piece of their hope and I'd step in those shoes. I had a counselor uh, back in the really darkest years of my life who 
carried a hope with him that I've actually not seen ever before him. And then probably not again ever since. Wow. Um, and his name is Al Andrews. Some people probably listening to this podcast will have heard his name before. Um, he's also an author and he doesn't counsel anymore, but he did. And he walked me through years of my life. And he, I can remember telling him early, early on in some of our sessions that I didn't think I would survive what was coming and that I don't, I didn't think I would make it through the process of working through all of the trauma that I had. And he was like, why don't you borrow my hope for a little while? I think I have enough for both of us. And I was like, okay. That's so something so special that radiated out of him. I mean, I know it was the divine spirit of God himself for sure, but he just carried this unspeakable hope along in his pocket with him everywhere he went. And everyone who knows him, I think would agree. Um, a, a peace and calm, calming presence in my life at a time when I was literally desperate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and someday I hope that I can be that same kind of presence for someone else who just needs a little hope to borrow. So yeah, Al Andrews. Well, I believe you're being that right now. So thank you for being on the podcast and thank you for sharing your hope and your honest experience with being a mom and dealing with expectations and all the things that life puts on us as women, as parents, as people, <clears throat> as Christians. Um, it's a lot. And it sometimes yeah. it's as simple as giving someone permission mm-hmm. to just sit. Yes. To just lay it down. hundred percent. 100%. And sometimes it's been an honor to be on here. Thank you so much for having me and for just honest conversations. I thrive and I just, my soul is filled up when I feel like there's an, a wide open space to just kind of say it like it is and just to share honestly. And you have done that. And I'm, I'm it's a super big honor to be a part of this podcast. So thank you so much for having me. It's been so All great. Right. Thanks girl. We're going to have to have you back. Absolutely. Anytime. Let's do good. Thank you. Thanks for joining this conversation with Kelsey and I today. I feel such a sense of relief that I'm not the only one who feels this way. Isn't it freeing to know that even when it seems to go off the rails, it's all still held together in God's complete control. So if you hear nothing else today, hear this. You are enough. You don't have to change who you are to become the original master design version of yourself. God wants to strip away the excess that we picked up along the way and restore us to his original design, which he said was very good. Next week, we deep dive into the difficult topic of suffering. How do we know God is good when it doesn't feel good? Our long overdue and often referenced hope hero, Val Allen, will be sharing her heart in this season of battling a cancer diagnosis. Give us five stars and a review if you like what you hear and subscribe so you don't miss next week. Until then, don't lose hope.